0: All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NOLCast. Bud, uh, great to be able to chat it up again this morning. Have the live chat pop in for those uh, who watch on YouTube. And uh, let's go from here. I will always thank our friends at Tarpon Sellers, TarponSellers.com, coupon code NOLCast. And we'll always thank our friends at Charlie Park. But I went there after the game, noon game, as you said, in the instant. does give you a lot of flexibility um went there bro that place is great man i mean it's uh you know you go there have a little bit of a open idea as to some of the you know flavor combinations and stuff like that i had a lemon curd toast uh with bruschetta that was seriously like i would drive down to tallahassee and have that right now uh again instantly so uh some absolutely awesome options on the menu uh, my wife had a drink called Taiwan on, which was kind of like a peanut uh, Thai sauce. It was a great drink, one that you have, you know, one of and thoroughly enjoy. Not something you're going to drink four of or something like that. But uh, now, nah, man, Charlie Park is cool as hell. And saw saw, uh, saw a three-time legendary home loan buyer as well uh, across the way. So yeah. big, big shout out to John. Uh, so it was uh, all sorts of uh, synchronicity. But Charlie Park is a just a... Cool ass place and a place that we're real fortunate to
1: be able to partner with. Another uh, place that we are fortunate to partner with is Prize Picks. Uh, Price Picks, promo code NOLCAST, get you that 100% deposit match bonus. All right, so I think I've hit uh, 225s, a 10, and a couple 2Xs now for the listeners. This weekend did not go super well. Now, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I don't hate the process. You know, the result uh, clearly didn't uh, didn't like the result but I still had fun sweating it. JJ McCarthy more than 14 and a half rushing yards. That was that was rocking chair good. He had 27. So all, almost doubled up there. Trey Benson less than a 16 fantasy score. Just figured they'd spread the ball around. Like we'll talk about in today's episode and you know if you have a 16 fantasy score and you'll score a touchdown, it's hard to get there unless you're just having a a monster yards game. Keon Coleman, uh, 75 and a half receiving yards. That was also a pretty rocking chair. He hit that uh, by the first half, 114 for him. However, uh, LaQuinta Allen, 15.6. We went less than 15.5. So he he beat us by 0.1. Not really. Uh, that was painful. That was painful. Uh, and then the Louisville game did not work out uh, as I projected it to work out. Uh, So Gerard Jordan, the running back for Louisville, got hurt uh, pretty early in this one, and we were more on his rushing yards. And as a result, Louisville had to throw the ball around a little more, and uh, Jamari Thrash, who was also hurt, uh, they wrapped his wrist up, and he was able to go, and when Jordan went out, uh, a lot more of the plays went to Jamari Thrash. Also, Louisville was losing the game, so they're throwing the ball around a lot more, and so we ended up losing that one. So... Uh, not a winner this week for me on Prize Picks. I'll try to do better. Still had fun with it. Obviously, know a lot of people have, and if you've been following along, obviously everybody has cashed. And you know, you're even if we lose every single week from here on out, you're still net positive uh, on on the year uh, by <laughs> quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, over under. Uh, pri- that we talk five minutes on Prize Picks before they even get to the Knolls. Well, I thought we talked about some Knolls with the Prize Picks. Uh, thank you, uh, Laguna Nay. Uh, but we do keep the show free for y'all so anyway thank you Prize picks and let's we also don't to... have any
0: programmatic ads if you if you notice that we don't we've never run a programmatic ad you're never going to press play and hear an ad the podcast is never going to be interrupted in the middle to hear like you know about napa auto parts or whatever else which i'm not you know but uh trust me we we yes we have some great ads or some great sponsors that we're fortunate to have but uh yeah, let's let's wrap it up so we can keep it under the under. Just a
1: just a spite, right. uh, said Laguna. There we go. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll start with this. This is a cool comment here from Grippen. Uh, Twenty-four months ago, FSU was two and four, and becoming bowl eligible was the goal. Fast forward today, six and zero, oh, number four in the country, and bowl eligible midway through October. Hashtag Mike got us. <laughs> Yeah, man, just a, a good looking professional operation. You know, just come out. Took care of business, and it, it was nice to just have it go to script. Really, it was like that's just kind of how you thought it would go, and the the score at halftime to me was essentially like the the lowest possible margin that you could be leading by based on how the game was playing out. Right, like you were playing much better than the scoreboard indicated. I thought, and that was a pretty encouraging sign you weren't lucking into stuff it was uh it was a well-played game and what what was your take from being down there um yeah
0: it just didn't feel competitive to be honest with you um it just had that feel i mean um
1: i think graham froze or i froze Who froze? Is it me?
0: Better ones that we've had recently. Uh, I'm hardwired into my computer, but did, I keep getting the internet uh, icon pop up, so I'm, I'm very confused this morning. Um, Maybe it's me. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, apologies, listeners. As, as it's going to be a fun one to edit and post st- <laughs> stream of conscious here. Um, no, I mean, it was uh, like I, I just it didn't feel like Syracuse came down and came to win that game. Um, it, it just felt like a team that was uh, aware that this one gonna be theirs. I mean, the I'm jumping ahead from the question, but you know, the beginning of the half is one of the most like, dude, you really don't think you like you're you're uh you're really hitting us with a truth bomb, just running on third and nine or third and eleven or whatever it was, and then just being like, all right, yeah, yeah we're gonna put it back to you. It's a 14 point game. Uh, we'll roll from here. So, um, it was, uh, it was a, uh, a game that it just once, once Florida State scored, it
1: just felt like that was
0: it. So, um, yeah, interesting.
1: Interesting. The, the number of design runs for Schrader, I think largely tells the tale. It, Dino, I think does a good job up there. Uh, overall that that's a, that's a hard program to win at right now, you know, um, I mean, to me, it, it, it's it's really hard in the portal era. Dino said it pregame all week, and I, I think he kind of signaled what was likely to happen. We knew Syracuse was, had been pretty busted up injury wise, and you go out and you you win by forty against, against a you know bottom half conference opponent that that is kind of dinged up. And I, mean, I think you were the one who said it, get get to your corner game, right? Yeah. Like, don't take a bunch of shots. Get to the corner, reset at, after the round, come out swinging in the back half of the schedule for Cuse. So uh yeah. yeah where were we 40 I think I said
0: 42 to nine or something like that I yeah. mean the game was more or less kind of where we thought it was I mean if they don't miss that one field goal you're looking at a what a 41 to six type game um and Florida State had the feel that Florida State could have scored 60 if they if they were yeah. uh, super intent on it so um yeah interesting game not a whole lot of uh, injury you know, sub uh, subplots to, to try to mine from the game. Other than I think you're just going to try to have, you know, it's just going to be getting Jordan through these games really and having him as well positioned and hopefully as healthy as possible in the two or three games left on your schedule that, you know, you're just going to have to cut him loose on Um, that might be this weekend might not be, Uh, you know, we can talk more about that on Thursday. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. So totally,
1: um, uh, the the line says he ain't playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you you can sort of do this thing where you you look at the board all week, and uh, you can kind of predict the tweets that are come out from Pete Damel on game day. You know, <laughs> it's like <clears throat> game time decision, but unlikely. I'm like really, okay, yeah. the 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 line says that, like the backups playing. So, uh, Tom says. Well, let's, let's just start with uh, with a look at the offense. I want to thank our friends at the Legendary team. Chad and Shannon do a tremendous job. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call if you need a mortgage. They do a great job. I've used them twice. Obviously, you ran into Tom who who had three uh, NOLCAST loans through them. That is fantastic. More than 500 NOLCAST listeners have decided to make the call to Legendary. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. Is Chad in the chat or is he he working? haven't seen him. He's probably, you know, I feel like we got to get
0: out there a little earlier for morning, Chad, probably once once 9 o'clock comes around, he's actually spoken for professionally.
1: Uh, Exactly. Um, All right, so offensively, 48% success rate on the day is, is pretty good overall. Uh, I like that. I mean, Syracuse, you held him to 34. That includes garbage time, but I think we all, we all understand it was a little bit better uh, before then. You allowed zero tackles for loss on design rushes, which I thought was a pretty clean effort from the run game. You didn't always hit the explosive run, but you had a couple of them, obviously, on the day. Toe Philly was, was good to see. Uh, you know, I've been critical of Jordan at times this year for – getting away with stuff like he's had a number of dropped interceptions that the narrative on him would be different if the defense caught the ball the stuff he was controlling for much of the season was not great right he can't control if the db drops the interception in this game i think he had zero turnover worthy plays right no no balls thrown into jeopardy consistently making the right decision delivering an accurate ball Uh, i thought he was pretty quick with it honestly and he would have had a much better game if, you know, I mean, Benson has what two? I think PFF credited him with three drops. Yeah, yeah. And three's Bell had one. Like, there's a ball that Hill, I don't know if it's a drop. He could have caught the ball, uh but you know, like, that's four-ish throws that definitely should be caught, and uh, and and we're not. And the narrative's going to be different if. uh If those balls are caught. So I thought it was a pretty nice game from Jordan, actually. You know, I mean, that was. I wonder if that's part of his frustration with his numbers not being great there uh, because the balls were dropped. You know, we we saw some frustration on on the TV copy. I don't know know, how much else we picked up. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a a good day overall for the offense. And I thought he made two really nice throws. The ball to Williamson down the sideline is a really good ball. I mean, he stands there in the pocket. I know he does this fade away stuff. Like the footwork is the footwork's the footwork, right? It, it's, it's kind of is what it is with, with, with Jordan, but he, he had a, you know, he had a really nice ball. Um, the other one, the ball he throws on the skinny post to bell is one of the best throws he's, he's made all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's behind the backer in front of the safety and doesn't get bell killed. That's a really good throw. Mm-hmm. So, encouraged to see that that was that was great man um what what'd you like about the offense um
0: this is guy from from michigan state that they got that's turned out to be a pretty good pretty good get uh he's been fun to watch this year definitely um I still you know i just watch the offense and it has nice moments and you just know that it hasn't really reached its its apex or even anywhere near it um to be honest with you i like that my my favorite part about all this is that the like look i've got faith ultimately that jordan's going to be jordan in the in the bigger games um i just think you've got a large enough sample size there to have confidence that you're your quarterback's going to play at a high level when it matters the most. Um, running game is still finding its form. I'll use that phrase, you know, and you're still trying to find a way to incorporate uh, the pieces and whatever your ultimate rotation is going to be. Uh, but for me, how effective this offense is going to be is, is going to be dictated by the offense line and particularly the health, of the offense line. And again, I'm not, not on the staff. I don't, you know, there's not an official comment or anything, but it sounds like from a health perspective that you got pretty good feedback there. Um, And that you were able to play guys who you're managing uh, even at like a granular level, as far as some of their snaps and and reps that they get. And I think you've gotten positive feedback from how those guys went out, played, responded. And uh, I believe, I think Mike said this in his press conference that uh, that bless Harris is, is, pretty close to being a full go again, which is a significant, significant piece. Um, and to me, it's it's all about the offensive line uh, at this point. And you're still trying to figure out some things and still trying to, you know, figure out exactly what your best interior rotation is, in particular, in my opinion. Um, but I, it was a good day as far as the health. And I know internally um, they felt like from a responsibility perspective, um, you know, like responsibility is to play calls that the probably the best day that
1: the offensive line had so um i, I think that was a, a positive step forward i i agree with that actually um in in doing the rewatch sometimes i don't agree with pff right and sometimes i do we good yep yeah right. so sometimes i, I agree with, with what pff says and sometimes i don't but like pff graded the offensive line extremely well and gave uh below average run blocking grades to all three tight ends so, I do think sometimes the issues with the run game in this game were more tight end related. This was probably the best game that most Smith has had so far this year. I and, mean, like, he, he, I thought he played really, really well. Thought Byers was okay. Um, you know, Roddick had some up and down moments, but yeah, as, as the offensive line improves, uh, so will the, this offense. And I, I don't have, you know, crazy high hopes for this offensive line. I thought on this podcast, you know, we were really uh, consistent with our belief that this is a good offensive line. It doesn't have a lot of future pros on it. Maybe have a couple we'll see. Uh, But that it had to play together with continuity and by limiting mistakes, right? Because they weren't going to physically dominate good opponents. You can physically dominate a Syracuse, but you're not going to physically dominate good opponents. And, uh, I think maybe, maybe they're close to rounding into form. You know, by that by that Miami game that that's when you, that's when you really need it. So we'll see if they're able uh, to do so there. I, I thought it was a a good sign too to see some of the young guys get in. Uh, Jalen got in, Armella got in, Hakeem got in and blocked Armella really looked, well. Looked nice in his play uh,
0: there. Did, Absolutely man. moved around well. Hakeem, um, that's uh. That's so why you celebrate getting back into the world of signing guys like that.
1: That's just a mm-hmm. to use a phrase we used last week or two weeks ago. It's just a different piece of clay. Uh, mm. Highest run blocking grade on the team was Kentron. Okay. Second Good. highest on the team, Hakeem. Hakeem. Wow. So yep. they always say, "No block, no rock." Right? If you don't block, <laughs> you don't get you don't get the ball. Uh, Hakeem blocked his butt off on the series before he got he got the touchdown catch. Okay, so that was that was encouraging. Like he came in there, they didn't throw the ball to him in the first series. Which, by the way, uh I don't know if this staff wants to point this out, but if I was on the staff, I would. Uh, the boys to the south there who like to point out freshman playing time. Last time they mm-hmm. were a, a nineteen point favorite. They they lost at home, so not, not mm-hmm. a lot of freshmen got a lot of playing time no, yeah, in, in that one. This one, you got uh you got like a full 20 minutes of the backups. It was yep. you know good to see.
0: So they, a lot of young uh, guys playing ball, man. Had the feel of a game in the mid nineties, uh mid to late nineties, where you would beat the hell out of somebody for two or three quarters and then you would see what the next two to three years look like. Uh, because you got sample got to sample a lot of the use and that was fun and great to see those guys get snaps and it's just great experience, man, getting, uh, you know, getting Edwin Joseph and and getting some of those younger secondary guys, uh, into games. And I mean, Conrad Hussey's like legitimately into the rotation at this point. So I wouldn't even include him in, in conversations like that. Um, but no, this, you've seen a real, you know, you've seen some of these guys that are, a little bit higher level high school recruits uh, start to start to find footing and start to legitimately work their way into rotation.
1: Um, I mean, Quinn Darius got too serious, mm-hmm. right? It, AZ Thomas, who we, we should remember is still kind of a younger guy within his career played a lot. And I thought, I thought played pretty well. It, we, we, we can do defense now if you want. I, I, I thought there was a bunch of good stuff to take away from the defense. This is how you should treat an offense that is uh Kind of banged up and maybe not uh not not trying. Well actually hold on. Let's let's bring this up. Our friends uh down to the south had an interesting clip, and I, I I am reminded with all the stuff going on in the world, just how nice it is to have freedom that everybody can have a podcast uh, if they <laughs> if they want. Now, should everybody have a podcast? I don't know. That that's a that's a different uh question, but I don't even know what this podcast is called. But it was, it was
0: a fun one. That was oh, a fun one to was, watch. It
1: was, I, if every Miami fan who has a podcast simply stopped podcasting and went to the games. That's dating and be full. Like I am being be kind of Ponzi scheme. Are they running the in least. South Florida? Not that one, not the one you think I'm referencing here. This is a different one. What kind of scheme are they running in South Florida that all these guys can make money on podcasts or are they just doing it as a hobby?
0: Like, yeah, yeah, if I, I, think, podcasted, I, think the, 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 I think the latter is
1: much, much more likely. My yeah. wife would kill me if she's like, how much time are you spending on like just nonsense podcasting? You're not making any money on it. Like we don't we don't make a killing on Nolcast, but it, it's, you know, it, it's a nice little side hustle and I enjoy doing it. So I, I guess it, it is a fun hobby. But man, uh the clip, which I'm not going to play, the guy basically says that uh Keon is not elite. Yeah. Right. And that. Yeah. Restrepo is, uh, Restrepo's caught, caught a lot of balls. Yeah, exactly. And the defenses have to scheme for Restrepo a lot more, despite the fact that Keon draws more than double the double coverage. If you look it up, than Restrepo does. Um, I think most defenses, and I think Restrepo is actually a really good college slot. Like let's, let's be respectful here. I think he's a guy that is probably a draftable player. And, uh, and I think he's a pretty, pretty nice college receiver mm-hmm. from the slot. It, and I mean, yeah, like he's probably a pain in the ass to play. I think he's a really good player. I, I've been doing some early mock draft stuff, and I don't know, man. I think all these draft guys are just yeah. missing out. They've on putting Restrepo in the slept, first round. I don't slept I don't on care. Restrepo. Yeah. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Restrepo, R- 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 I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was amazing, man. But, what are we doing? Uh, are the yeah. if, are if you guys there, find right? the
0: clip the co-host is exactly what I was going to say the co-host is what makes it he's just like you know reminded me of something in maybe a year or 2 where we were fortunate that we didn't have cameras on us and I want to try to make a point the bud was just like no 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 I dude i do not agree with this and there is nothing from a numerical perspective that would support your argument at all uh but yeah no it was uh that's a good clip i thoroughly enjoyed that
1: um, so. Um, so Keon has made a number of ridiculous catches. We had a couple people uh, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Nolcast, ask us what was your favorite catch of all time? Yes. Yes. I would like to hear from the chat as well. Um I think Cooper in the Orange Bowl in like 90, is it 95? That's mm-hmm. a really, really nice one. This is one that I went,
0: uh, yeah, Cooper that was one that I had in the back of my mind. I got to, I had a a great time last night before I went to sleep. I spent about 20 minutes on YouTube looking at a couple of different options. Um, uh, yeah. So I'll throw some out there. I mean, obviously the, the Benjamin one against Clemson is, is right up there because it's a, it's a very hard catch. Uh, it's, it is kind of the national announcement of the 2013 team. Um, it's a guy that when, like, I, I had a friend of mine who coached wide receivers who, as soon as Kelvin came in, was like, oh, dude, if we can just get this guy to work, he's going to be a first-round pick. And it's it was kind of a quick culmination of getting him through, uh, you know, Kelvin, who looked like he would be either a tight end or perhaps an offensive tackle, back into Kelvin, the wide receiver. And um, that, that was right there, up there with it. Uh, I honestly think that <laughs> – I know this isn't a great uh, name to throw around from a Florida State perspective, but uh, Dion has two catches, one against Michael Irvin. That is one of the better yeah. better plays uh, in Florida State history. And it's not so much dynamic, uh, but Kez McCorvey scored us a touchdown against Georgia Tech in the 1992 game to recap a comeback that, again, the play itself, it's a nice little kind of pause move, the wide receiver runs by him and he ends up getting in the end zone. But for our younger listeners, uh the 92 game against Georgia Tech is one of the more impactful and influential games in the program's history that is worth going back and watching a seven or eight minute YouTube on uh if you if you have an interest. But uh yeah, those are some of the ones that immediately jumped to mind for me anyways.
1: I think we gotta also uh... The, the, the national championship game, Calvin, like, is it an amazing catch, but it sort of just highlighted, like, what he did. It was special as a player, you know, to to, to cap that one off. Both of Peter Warrick's catches in national title game. The, yeah, that the, was the other the, one on my list. The one I mean, where he the... smokes Tennessee, and then obviously the one <clears> against, um, where, like, he's just being dragged down. By the way, can we bring back individual player introductions, like they did in in, in mm-hmm. that, that Sugar Bowl? Like, that's, that was cool, you know? I, I, I was, that was pretty solid. Um, chat has uh, trick it to green. That was actually yeah, that was a pretty amazing play, uh, for sure. Let me see here. What else do we have? Uh, Greg Carr against was it Wisconsin in the Capital One Bowl or whatever bowl? It was the Orlando Bowl. I forgot what they called it back then. Um, it wasn't a camping just world, the, certainly. This the Graham Gano game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, go, he goes up and he totally mosses that guy. That was, that was pretty wild. Um, yeah. Ben, looking here at the uh, chat says Kelvin is number one. Agreed. Those are some, some really, really good. I feel like from my time in Tallahassee, Bolden had a number of ridiculous catches yeah. on balls Bolden. that were like insanely bad. Yeah. yeah. He did not have the best quarterback play at times and, uh, you know, and, and still. Yeah, he was he was pretty insane. Uh, the Champ Sports Bowl, that's right. Thank you, Lawrence. I, I, they've changed the name on that bowl game so many times, but I, I think the people who run it do a do a pretty good job. Uh, Blue Chicken says uh, he has a picture with Greg Carf when he was eight, so that's that's pretty solid. Awesome. Keep those rolling in. Maybe we'll share some more uh, throughout the show. Uh, Tom says, Bud, can you explain to folks why going for it on the fourth down and goal was the right decision? Yeah. Uh, sure thing. So just from a um, a math standpoint, right? Touchdowns are worth more than twice as much as field goals. Seven is more than 2x of three. And so you basically need to figure out you know, what is the likelihood that you can score there. And relative to the value of your expected points on a field goal, let's say your expected points on a field goal from that distance are – what probably ninety something percent? So like, let's call it like two point seven expected points there. You know, you're probably going to make ninety percent of those. I, I would say as a, as a quality college kicker. Which shout out because he he is this year, and, and and seems to to look much better. Uh, so basically, if you think that the the chance that you score is enough to justify that, then you should go for it, right? You call the play, you get the look. You run the play. If you don't hit it, you don't hit it. But you have a chart every week because you're not allowed to use computers. But uh, I think FSU subscribes, but uh, uh, damn near every uh, every team in the country does out there. They have this thing where it's essentially like a, a, a book that you can modify in game, and it says like time left in the half, down in distance, score. Okay, optimistic, neutral, pessimistic. How are you feeling about the offense today? How do you feel about their opposing defense, right? So it's not just like a, here's a number, you must go right. for it. There, there is some some play. Like, okay, uh, you know, what time left in, in the half, I think, I think I already said that, right? Um, you know, original sort of likelihood to win the game, too, because that matters and is, is more predictive than people realize. So, you know, if you're a 21-point favorite, you know, it may be a little different than if you're, you know, a, a massive underdog. Um, and time left in a half is important, too, because... There, you get less value going for it really, really deep in the first half because of the value that you could stick the opponent with being a negative value. Like getting the ball at your own two is a negative value, meaning that even though you are on offense, the, the team that is most likely to score next is actually the team on defense. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, if you like, the, this is why I thought the Dan Landing one at the half was, I know it's mathematically correct, but I think it's less so. Than the other two that he did in the Oregon game, um, so anyway, Mike is consistently rated extremely high. If you look at actual decision versus sort of correct decision, if you're using like a blackjack card, just a kind of a blanket, you know EPA model type thing here, uh, Norvell scores extremely highly on this. Like over time, Norvell is stealing wins with his decision making, mm-hmm. not like not like one per year. It and you're not adding like a <clears throat> unless you're just committing total fraud and trying to throw the game, uh, you know, it's basically you're not adding like 20% win probability with a decision, but cumulatively, mm-hmm. if you make the correct decision, a 2% edge, a 3% edge, a 2% edge over time, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to add up. So JD says, I get the math. uh, but I always prefer uh, paying off a drive with points. There are games every week where uh, more than three points or three or more points changes the outcome. Yeah. JD. But the the problem is you're assuming the game plays out just as it played out in a vacuum, which is an incorrect assumption because people's behavior uh, is dictated by the current status of the game. The other problem is that's a feel thing. Like, yeah, let's feel good. Let's end every drive with a kick that that's not the right approach. You're not maximizing your chance to win. You're maximizing your chance to, you know, to keep the game close. Maybe maximize the chance to go to overtime in a close game. But let's remember going to overtime is a 50-50 prop. So you're maximizing your chance to have a coin flip. Right. Right? Like that the sport is evolving towards this. This is very much like uh on a it's a it's a lesser like bunting in baseball is worse than kicking field goals in, in football. Right. But they've basically, if you're a manager now in baseball and you bunt, you get fired because the front office is not like we're not spending a hundred million dollars on payroll to have you do stupid stuff that we, we know reduces win probability. Right. The same thing is kind of going on in football now. Like Jimbo's decisions look worse because the rest of the sport is getting smarter. It used to be if you made bad decisions and the, the opponent was like, yeah, we'll make, we'll make one right back for you. Cool. Net, net. We're even mm-hmm. now. It's like, oh no, it's actually kind of, kind of not. Right. So.
0: Hunting uh, is bunting as a man once yeah. said. Um, exactly. Good catches. I thought of one. the, the D Rob fourth and 14 in the swamp. Um, yes. And it leads to Rick's to Sam, which is, even at the time I was like, dude, why are you throwing it deep first down? uh, And then it happens and PK comes back to the ball and then almost gets attacked by a German shepherd. So uh, that is a funny, that is a funny. And then you pair that with a UF radio call and you got, you got your whole, whole flavor combination of entertainment. Uh, PK Sam. uh, But yeah, no, that's another one that I'll throw out as far as uh, maybe just be more, in most enjoyable catch rather than best catches in program history. But
1: uh, that one popped to mind as well. PK also had a ridiculous catch in that NC state overtime game in, uh in Tallahassee in like Oh four. Yeah. I think. That was
0: uh crow has a couple. I think he has one against Notre Dame in that game that they just kicked the hell out of Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, that comes to mind. Crow Thorpe was a, was a hell of a player in in his own right, Tallahassee product. Uh, but uh yeah, we'll keep we'll keep kicking that idea around in honor of uh of Keon's first quarter catch there against Syracuse.
1: Let's uh let's talk defense here. Uh you stuffed 15% of their runs, allowed only four yards per drop back, which is excellent. I mean, you they ran, I thought, four trick plays, or what I would classify as kind of like trick plays, where it's they twice they did the quarterback shifts over with with the running back and they direct snap to the running back you you played the one pretty well uh you you did not play the other one super well you you, you misfit it um uh, I think Bethune's still working his way back you know like like he's it was good to see Lundy play as well as he did with the limited snaps that Bethune played um because he, I think he's still sort of on the on the comeback trail from getting banged up. Um, Yeah, the quarterback throwback. Honestly, anytime you stop that for like less than 10 yards, generally pretty happy. You're only going to run that so many times a game. They're expecting that to be wide open. It Mm -hmm. wasn't. Uh, You also, I thought, handled pretty well in the third quarter. They go like sugar huddle, which is, you know, where you kind of huddle and you run up to the line real fast. They go to an unbalanced look out of it, uh, and then they run jet sweep out of it. And you called it out, ID'd it fast on the fly, fitted okay, and they got like eight yards. Mm. Now look, or six yards, whatever. They didn't get a first down off it. There are plays in the game where Cuse is trying to get freebies on you because they're probably not going to beat you physically. And I thought for the most part, the Knowles did a good job of IDing them in real time and shutting them down. That's what you want. That yeah. That is like, of all the stuff in the game, that had to be something Fuller had to be pretty happy about. You know, no, no explosives allowed on trick plays. Well, I guess, that well, they've misfit the one, but that was kind of late in the game. The only thing he's probably pissed about is tackling. I mean, just, this could have been like a shutout and holding cues to like 120 yards. 13 missed tackles. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably the thing he's most annoyed about if i had to guess
0: yeah there were some whispers that the the week of practice wasn't as good which is not uncommon in the week following a bye week because yeah. a bye week you can, you know in the game coming out you're real you're focused you're healthy and then it's kind of hard to maintain a similar level of focus but i thought the missed tackling was the only thing that might have been emblematic of a week of practice that maybe wasn't ideal that's also just kind of human nature man this, this isn't a video game you don't go out and and practice at the exact same level, you know, it's, there is some, just some human variants here. So uh that was the only thing that I thought I was, I was, you know, we talked about it. The, the point spread just didn't make sense to me. Um And ultimately that ended up being right. But you know, there were, there were some things that could have given you a little bit of caution before you just wholeheartedly went, went in on the nulls, uh, what it was 17 and a half and then moved to 18 and a half within yeah. the, and 24 hours of kickoff or something like that so i mean interesting my, movement there
1: you're going to get 12 versions of a team every year yeah well right said. it's not the same team every single week and, and part of that's the opponent part of that's you know how your week was people are human <laughs> like you mentioned who knows maybe maybe you felt sick maybe your girlfriend broke up with you whatever right uh so defensively this was fairly close to their a game i thought in terms of, of coverage in terms of, of playing smart in terms of playing with great aggression the only real knock it, to me is is largely tackling um they went at Ventrell a lot i think he had nine targets and allowed three completions that's pretty damn good mm-hmm. uh, pat payton continues to show good situational awareness batting passes he got another two yeah i think that's like yeah josh farmer too
0: man uh that's uh uh, we talked last week or two weeks, whenever it was that uh I thought it was a great thing that farmer was emerging and becoming one of your best defense tackles. That is a that is a good thing for twenty twenty three. Uh that could be daunting as far as how it projects moving forward. But Josh is uh, Josh has had a great year, he turned into a, a very impactful player and you know that's uh that happens. And if guys that you come in and develop and you know, maybe go to the league a year earlier that you would have thought then you got the production out of them and and also it's a hell of a lot better you know card on the recruiting trail to be able to talk about your domestic development of of uh kid and josh is going to be a, a hell of a case study that they can point to so
1: speaking of which uh charles layman looking sharp in his youtube profile photo by the way uh says uh, I'm wondering if we think slash believe it will become more difficult to bring in portal guys from this point as high school recruiting and current freshmen are punching above their weight class through game six. Graham, how, how would you feel if you had that problem?
0: <laughs> I think that's just a good problem you have. And and honestly, you know, the the evolution of of portal kids will will change a little bit here. Also, know you're gonna be able to sell uh of a level of program and stability and opportunity that you know you're not you're gonna have a 10 and 3 season and whatever this year ends up turning into that uh i do think will allow you to be selective in a manner that that you you haven't been um and yes ultimately you know you want to build your build your program through high school recruiting now at least my opinion is other people may disagree um but when you don't have the resume to go out in elite high school pro- and recruit elite high school prospects then yeah the portal something that you can lean on and the staff has done an incredible job doing that but uh, I think at this point they can sample a little bit of plate a and plate B as they so you know so desire um, and I would expect you know I, I, I think the staff I don't know I've I, I think the staff will always have a presence in the portal, uh, but you know, you want to be able to go out and get guys at the high school level that are the most elite prospects out there. And and frequently the portal may have one or two kids, but it's it's rare that you just have a, you know, the Jermaine Johnson and I know I'm contradicting myself because you've had two here, but the, the idea that you're going to find Jermaine Johnson and Jared verse in the portal is not one that I'd get used to. That is, that is an anomaly. Uh, and that's awesome that you've done it.
1: So. Who is the Jermaine Johnson this year? Yeah. No, in the, in this, in, in the, the in this
0: class, class that's, in this class that's playing. Yeah.
1: I don't mean for FSU. I mean, nationally. no, I haven't, didn't see him. Haven't seen him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's watch the Ohio state Penn state game this weekend. Ohio state knew that they needed to take two tackles in the portal. They missed on the Ajani Cornelius kid from Rhode Island who chose Oregon. And I mean, do I have to play two transfer tackles? Is, is a difficult proposition. I mean, you you utilize two of them on, on, on this team, but I, yeah, where you're trying to get as a program, which is a, a team that is consistently competing for playoff spots, you know, and, and consistently winning or competing to win the ACC for as long as you're in this league. That is a difficult thing to do strictly out of the portal. That you've done so is A, awesome, and B, is that something you should rely on to the extent they are? Maybe not. Like I think that the staff would prefer to mostly mold the guys out of high school, instill their culture in them. The other problem here, not a problem, but just something to to remember. Because you don't get two transfers, and because they're cracking down on, you know, what Dan Wetzel calls the, the dialysis uncle uh, type thing. If you take a kid out of the portal and you miss on that eval and he's a multi-year kid, you're kind of stuck with him, man. Cause he doesn't get the free transfer and he doesn't get, uh, you can do the kind of the shady med you know medical disqualification thing, but you really can't just straight cut him. Like he's going to kind of still count against your stuff. And unless he hurries up and graduates, you're kind of stuck with him. Whereas a high school guy, if he doesn't work out, he can go find his level, whether that's a reset at a similar program or whether that's going, you know, maybe down to like maybe he goes to USF or something like that. Uh, so it does give you high school, gives you better flexibility in terms of multi year roster management. And they are doing a, a better job in high school uh, than they were, you know, two years ago. So. Totally agree. Like every team out there is going to try to to supplement their roster with the portal, and if you can add a, a crazy piece like Keon Coleman, I, I recommend that. That that seems to work out fairly <laughs> really well. Uh, you're, uh, I think you're muted. Yeah, that is there a good
0: one. Everybody had that in the back of their mind. Uh Dr. No says it's arguable you've gotten one elite player every year in the portal. This year it's Keon. Yeah, can you get one elite player? Yeah, I think that's, you know, reasonable yeah. to think. I will say Keon's a unicorn. I mean, Keon is like a dominant wide receiver who's an incredible practice player, who's good in the locker room. I mean, that's uh he's that's a that's a, a great blend he's also like absolutely hilarious uh and i just listened to him that's very funny um it's wild to think that jermaine started on last chance you it is wild to think that jermaine was on that team it's even more wild that they uh ripped segments of the audio from the Nullcast on that show and then didn't credit us uh which i will forever be salty about and uh yeah whatever we'll we'll move on from that uh we should, we should DM, uh, dmca them We, I mean, we've, I've explored it with multiple attorneys. I'll put it that way. Uh, And ultimately
1: juice just ain't worth the squeeze. So Uh, Nicholson got 13 snaps. Justin Cryer got 13 or 16 snaps. Who else? Quindarius 13, Edwin Joseph 13. Uh, Barker got 13. Hussey got 28. I mean, you're, you're getting multiple drives of playing time for these young guys pretty consistently don't
0: know this for sure but uh, I have heard as much as a internal whisper that Nicholson's posted the fastest GPS time of any linebacker on the roster so far this year which wouldn't totally uh, surprise me but it gives you
1: ideas to the level of athlete that that kid ultimately could be so agreed got a couple more notes uh, we can go through here did you watch uh Miami and uh, UNC? Yes, I
0: did. I did, and both loved what happened, and was also like, "Ooh, um, <laughs> this team in blue has some pretty nice pieces." And uh, yeah, the fact that number nine's back for them—that's a uh, that uh, if that's what you end up seeing in Charlotte. That's going to be a it's going to be a good game. They and they the matchup with Florida State is probably a little bit better than I would like it to be. But Over got, under got on many eight. weeks for that.
1: Over under on a hypothetical matchup. Sixty eight. Over.
0: Yeah, agreed. Over. I mean, I think you're looking at both teams score thirty five. Yeah. Uh, look, yeah. Carolina's got some nice pieces on defense. I mean, dude, the great kid at linebacker number thirty three. That is, oh, that, could, that dude could play for me any day. That is a hell, hell of a mm-hmm. looking linebacker. Uh, and they've got some, some nice pieces along the line of scrimmage. Uh, Carolina's got, got some things. So something to keep an eye on and um, did not let Miami run the ball much at all. Uh, I was I was I don't want to turn this into the, you know, Carolina podcast, but I was I was impressed by what I saw. Also, they beat Miami handily and their quarterback had maybe the worst game he's had all year. And they committed what 130 yards of penalties in the first half, Bud? I mean, it was yeah. it was Mac Brown, it was a Mac Brown special. Uh, and they still ended up winning what they won by 14, even with a garbage time touchdown or whatever. I mean, they they yeah, they
1: they scored 27 consecutive points to open the second half. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah they did they did some nice things for sure. Uh, impressed with Carolina. Uh, Carolina took advantage of Miami safeties. Mm-hmm. Williams and coverage Kenshin's uh, trying to t- t- tackle people. Didn't do a very good job of it. Uh, Miami's backers I think also got taken advantage of a little bit athleticism wise. Uh, so they have some issues up the middle of the field. It'll be important for, uh, for Jordan to use the middle of the field against them. I don't think the corners for Miami are actually that great, but maybe they're not quite as bad as I thought they were to start the year. Uh, yeah. Miami's got this O line that everybody talks about, but it. Remember how Spurrier used to kind of rib on Tennessee a little bit, and he was like, "Man, Tennessee just a really good football team. Just some some reason doesn't doesn't play well real well down here." Kind of. Uh, yeah, um, they did not look the first half defensively. Like Miami does have some real dudes on the D line. Like that, that can win them games. That can cause you real problems. The Bane kid is is a freak. I mean, he's so they got some young defenders that are. I mean, Bane, uh, the Nigel Kelly kid looks nice. Mesador. Now Leonard Taylor, I don't know where he is. Like mm-hmm. I didn't see yeah. him make any kind of impact in in the ball game when I watched it. Uh, offensively, it is going to be very important that you are able to play zone at some sort of level against Miami. Van Dyke does not do a great job when he has to sort of read it out and hold the ball and look through stuff. He's extru- he's he's a sniper when he knows where to go with it cuz he's he's got the he's got the arm to make every throw and he's really damn accurate when he like when he knows where he needs to go with the ball. But he a couple times a game if you can make him he will look confused and throw you the football. I asked 3 weeks ago and I think this is going to be a really relevant question come this Miami game. Hey man, like, how many times do quarterbacks look confused against this defense? Yeah. How many times do they like not know where to go with the ball? That's the stuff that I think Adam Fuller needs to be in the lab, and probably is in the lab with trying to cook up. But now he's getting more. He's getting more games on tape at this Miami team. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see how Van Dyke reads coverage. I don't know that he sees it real well. He definitely throws it well, although he might be hurt this week. But like, yeah, that's tough. That yeah, I'm, I'm curious
0: about that too. Uh,
1: yeah, um, now they'll play him if they'll if, play if him if he can walk. Uh, <laughs> you go play he saw last yeah. year. Uh, I think Miami's receivers are pretty solid, honestly. Like, like the Georgian and and uh, and young kid are, they are. they're nice. Are, young, they're Young's players. a nice player, nice player. and uh. And they throw the ball to Restrepo like a ton, which is nuts. Run game didn't get going a whole lot. FSU's defense is better than Carolina's defense, especially in the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane Brown is it, coming on for you pretty well. I I like your chances there in, in Tallahassee. It, it won't be a, it won't be a walkover because Miami has real players and real athletes, and they'll play really hard. Yeah, you know, unlike some of these other games that they, you know. Uh, that they probably won't. You know, they have not won an ACC game at home yet under Cristobal. <laughs> like, imagine being in the ticket office. Yeah, Try to get people I, I, to renew. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, blown out three times, plus the Georgia Tech thing, and a close game loss to a UNC last year.
0: Yeah, and if you went for an old uh, non-conference rocking chair game last year. You got to see him get run by Middle Tennessee as well. So, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, Duke, the backup, and we'll talk about more in, in the other in the, the preview. Uh, they had a 31% success rate, though, in the football. Duke did. Now, granted, the second half of this game was just a complete rainstorm, and they didn't try. Like I don't think this kid is is legitimately four of twelve bad, but that's what he was in the game. I mean, he, he was four of twelve passing for 107 yards. Um, one was to their receiver Calhoun is pretty good, uh, 69 yards. The other one was for uh, uh for nine yards, and uh, yeah, it was just not not great. Um, a lot of passes to the backs. They only targeted their top two receivers twice in the game. So it was a lot of keep it safe throws, let let this guy run around some. Half of Duke's yards, actually more than half, came on two plays. Got an 80-yarder uh, and a – what was it? 80-yarder and a 69-yarder. Nice. So, yeah. If, if the kid doesn't play for Duke – Leonard, the quarterback, who's really damn good. I don't, uh, I don't think that's going to go go super well for that offense. And I, I think LSU's defense will continue to look better. By the way, uh, after like, look, LSU's offense continues to look great, mm-hmm. and yep. like, they only scored seventeen on you before garbage time. Now, should they have, you know, like are, are the fourth down stops kind of flukish? Sure. Like if we, if we if we ran it back, like are you really going to hold them to seventeen again? No, probably something in the mid twenties is more of a representative of how they move the football versus how they scored the football. But it wasn't like they were lighting you up for forty, you know. Yeah, uh, I think these early game schedules, these these early schedule games, are going to look better in hindsight. Mm-hmm. LSU has a real chance to win the West. Okay, Clemson is favored this weekend at Miami. You know, like that's a, a there's. I mean, Clemson has a pretty hard schedule, but there's a chance that they remain ranked as well. So. I think you're gonna start looking better for it. If you look at the uh like the updated um make the playoff odds, FSU is where they at? They still have the second highest behind just Georgia. A little okay. Michigan, well, Michigan tied in this week. So the only three teams in the country right now that have in in the Vegas odds that are more likely to make the playoff than not, Georgia, FSU, Michigan.
0: Mm-hmm. Michigan time because of the Bowers injury, part of it.
1: Uh I think it's probably just Michigan looked great again. You yeah. know, they just moved up. Uh G- Georgia's still like minus what are they? Actually, no, Georgia moved down a little bit. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, the Bowers is going to miss uh, probably the rest of the SEC season, right? 4 to 6 weeks. <clears throat> tight. What was it? What
0: would they call it? A tight, tight rope, rope injury? okay yeah well
1: tightrope's the surgery or uh, tightrope surgery do. excuse me yeah, yeah. so like yeah. if you get a high ankle and then in order to you basically just tie, like i guess you just tie it real tight and let it heal <laughs> you know, i'm not a doctor but it's a <laughs> surgery that you do to speed recovery okay basically okay from what i interesting. understand interesting um yeah. how are you feeling about lj mccray that's the uh top uh, defensive lineman in the country i feel uh I feel like fsu's really in the fight here you know it, it's it's them i don't think it's going to be miami uh, Florida auburn like they're doing a really good job trying to recruit him you know that that's sort of the, the battles that you have to continue to uh to make progress in right and at, at the end of it we'll see if, if they can get it done um but like i, I think they've done a a pretty good job in this Florida obviously has a really good relationship with them uh, i know auburn's in it you know can you ever really count out uh, a team like Georgia? I, I, I don't know, uh, but I, I think FSU is just as in it as basically anybody else is. I, I was doing the Deland quarterback club speaking thing last night and got asked about it. I was like, man, I don't think anybody really knows knows at this point, and it, it's one of those. A lot of times we kind of know, but don't like officially know. This is a uh, this is going to be something that they are going to have to uh, to fight all the way to the end on. So. Yeah. Uh, definitely a a major recruitment there. Um, One thing else? that we would
0: encourage you to fight all the way in on is the optimization of your business. Uh, Matt Lewis, fantastic partner of the NOLCast. And uh, we're real proud of this as we've seen all sorts of synchronicity uh, with the people that we've chosen to work with. But uh, I do believe that uh, I think all the properties of the Four the Table restaurant group have now moved over to Congruity as well. So Great for Matt. Matt and his team have been working with uh, have been working with uh, Matt Thompson and, and the good people over there for quite a while. But they've, I think, moved all of payroll over to Congruity HR, which is uh, just yet another example of why we love Matt and his team so much. Uh, they've got a website that they created specifically for uh, the listeners of the Noel cast and Florida State fans in general. It is congruityhr.com backslash Noles, N-O-L-E-S there, congruityhr.com backslash Noles. Uh, big thank you to Matt Lewis and the whole team at Congruity for what they've done for our business, what they've done for multiple Florida State-related uh, businesses, and the partnership that they found. With our friends over at Madso Township, Charlie Park, and everything else that the Four of the Table Restaurant Group is doing.
1: Speaking of odds, FSU moved up to minus one eighty to win the league. Cool. Uh, so I think a lot of that is just Louisville lost. Which mm-hmm. again, guys, we told you like it's really hard to go really hard to go undefeated. Even now, FSU is not favored to go undefeated in yep. in the regular season. Like they're still favored to drop a game. Uh, Duke, Miami at Pitt, Florida being the, the four, uh, the four toughest, your, your road game at wake wake seems to have, um, the, the magic might've run out as far as their ability to just get offensive linemen to play at a competent level. Mm-hmm. Vatek wrecked them
0: up. Front. Mm, okay.
1: And we saw what Virginia tech defense was just two weeks ago. Right. So, like imagine the Hokies wrecking your offensive line. How would you feel about that? Probably not great. So uh, there. How would you
0: feel about that? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. that's just for perspective, right? I wonder if Dave Clawson doesn't make a jump mm-hmm. uh somewhere. Like he's, he's done such a good job there, but eventually, eventually it runs out and they, they lost some of their best players to the portal.
0: Yeah. The portal uh, portals has impacted them. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, we have seen, uh we've talked about that previously that the, Portal has played a role for some of these lower-level ACC teams. It's going to just make it even harder for them to to make that climb,
1: so to say. Have you seen the odds so, on the Blitnikoff? No, I have not. This feels almost disrespectful. Uh, so, Roma Dunze, Washington, okay, pretty obvious, especially after last weekend, 250. Malik Neighbors, 250. Uh, Burden, Missouri, 250. Marvin Harrison, Jr., 650. Troy Franklin, 900. That's the Oregon kid. Brian Thomas at LSU, 1,500. Leggett, South Carolina, 1,800. Xavier Weaver, Colorado, 2,000. Uh, Taj Washington, USC, 2,500. Jalen Polk, Washington, 2,500. Keon Coleman, Florida State, 2,500.
0: Yeah, that That doesn't seem to match up. It seems wild. Also, I mean, if Keon... Yeah. I think Keon is but only one more just ridiculous game before he's uh Yeah. Yeah, much much more of a household name slash whatever you want to call it. Um I although I guess it would be hard to have a bigger game on a bigger stage than
1: what he did against LSU, but yeah, that surprises me. That does surprise me. I mean he's top ten in the country in uh in receiving touchdowns. I know that the the yardage numbers are are not there yet. Part of that's probably the blowouts, right? I mean, he's are seventy first in the country in yardage. I, but man, like, yeah, he's you're right. He's he's like two big games away from you know from from that. Like, that's I don't know. I, I definitely don't see all those guys finishing ahead of him that that's kind of crazy yep. johnny's at 45 to one uh Restrepo's 50 to one 50, okay i did want to get a restrepo check in there yeah i need we, so. n- we need to get a restrepo ticket in case he just starts to go nuts uh jd says portal is killing the middle class i think there's actually something to this top 15 teams in the ap preseason poll are 70 and one this year when favored by more than 10 points mm, okay 70 yeah. and one. The only loss is Clemson's Sunday night loss to or Monday night loss at Duke. And, you know, when healthy, Duke's got a kid that's probably the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So 70 and one. Like, I wonder if teams now aren't maybe not getting crazy impact players, but like, are the best teams identifying their potential holes and going out and addressing them to at least like a, not, not portaling your way to a ceiling, but portaling your way to a floor. Yeah. kind of wonder yeah
0: i think know. that's a good good way to phrase it absolutely you can you can address the the most glaring holes in your roster in a manner that you could never have previously
1: so yeah, agreed um do you have any thoughts on playing uh a guy who's missed a month coming off a liver liver injury 157 snaps at altitude <laughs> we, we didn't get to talk about this <laughs>
0: And then question his love for football afterwards. Uh, or maybe not his, but the team in general. Yeah, man, that's going to be crazy. Uh, that video that was put out, uh, I've watched that. It's like eight minutes, two different coaches talking to the team the night before the game. Um, yeah, that's telling. I did, I did, I do cut it. They cut it off right as Dion's asking the defensive line about accountability. And I would have loved to have gotten that answer uh, before they cut that off. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. That I mean, it is a, you know, it is a reality TV show. There, there, you're going to see content out of that that, um, is is quite interesting moving forward. Um, so, and and what you said earlier, you know, when you the the good news about the portal is you can shape your roster and you can shape it dramatically, but you know, not everybody in the portal is a one year kid. You know, you're you're once you get them out there, you're you got them for a little bit for good or for bad, but they're there. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. You know what I would do if I was a Colorado fan? though. No. what would you do? Or if I was a Florida state fan visiting Boulder, I'd go to Homefield and I'd get that sweet ass bomber jacket. So I could just walk around there and be very comfortable and let everybody know. I'm a Florida state fan. Just, just, just passing through, just keeping an eye on what you guys are doing out here. Uh, and my nice bomber jacket that I got at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, You can go there tabs uh, for teams. And if you're a Florida state fan, or if you're looking to do Christmas shopping uh, I've gotten some family members, some Ivy league material there. I mean, they, it's, it's the full spectrum. Uh, So great to have in your back pocket as you address various family members, Christmas homefield coupon code NOLCAST23. And uh, thank you to those of you who have shopped there. And if you do, um, any kind of reference or mention on social media that that's where you ran across them and linking the NOLCast to it is gratefully appreciated from us.
1: They really do a great job. It, it's, it's awesome designs. And I, I just think these new FSU designs are like even better than the stuff they used to have like and a noticeable step up in, in many areas. So a lot of our listeners have enjoyed it. Make sure you use our promo code. Uh, I do have an update, by the way, on something we've been tracking uh, I said on cover three that if Florida just stops playing like dumbasses, they will probably win the game against South Carolina. It is difficult to be a good team when you're leading the nation in penalty EPA uh, on special teams and also short yardage penalties. Uh, so this weekend, Florida uh, they did still have negative EPA in penalties, but it wasn't egregious. It was only negative uh, .9 as opposed to like the negative ten uh, that mm-hmm. that would that that will certainly get you beat in some games, as it has. And they ended up having a nice comeback win over South Carolina, and now we will almost certainly uh, make a bowl. Which, you know, they have a, an interestingly tough stretch, by the way, down the stretch. If, have you checked? Have you peeped Florida schedule? I did. I did. Yeah, they don't have that cupcake game right before right before the FSU game like they have had, kind of like Urban Meyer started doing um, a number of years ago. So, yeah, they, they look like they're rounding into form a little bit. The defense maybe not quite as good as I thought it was. But the offense, they have Mertz playing pretty well, and uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, I guess I thought they were better than they had shown, just because it's almost impossible to continue playing that poor. <laughs> like just you know. Yeah,
0: I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback who pump fakes more players off their feet than Graham Mertz. Like that would—I'm oh not a defensive coach, but that would be a point of emphasis for me is to just don't jump run through the dude don't jump at a pump fake. I mean yeah yeah so that's just yeah. a, a random comment for me beamer was beside
1: and... himself did you watch the press conference
0: i did yeah yeah and he's right about that I mean yeah. i'm I'm pretty confident that's a message that was delivered before uh game just like stop so dude. what if he throws it run through him uh but yeah 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 Agreed.
1: that's about all I got today man you got anything else?
0: Nah, uh, not a great catch, but certainly the 93 Ward to Dunn is, uh, is one that we'll end on. That's uh, yeah. that's about as impactful a play in program history as well and uh, just uh, something something that always puts a smile on my face. So have enjoyed our, our walk through memory lane as we thought about some of the better catches in, in Florida State history.
1: Appreciate the chat helping out guys. If you like supporting us, please make sure you hit that like button uh, as we exit and uh, share the video as well. And I'll see you again on Thursday, buddy. All right, brother. Talk soon. All right. See you, man.